How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode number 160. I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers. Joined today by a special guest, Rick. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be on episode 160. 160? No, just a couple weeks past our three year anniversary episode. Yeah, congrats. Three years is a long time to be doing a podcast. It is. We did the. And, you, and it's every week, right? So you're. Yeah, like man. A tenth of a percent of podcasts make it to. Like under tenth of a percent, make it to three years. I forget what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, before we dive in, everything, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? And what um, you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know how much you want to know, so stop me if this gets boring. But um, I'm a filmmaker. Work in the film industry. I have been for um, over a little over ten years. So I uh, started off in something called dailies. I don't know if you know what that is. That's the uh, guys who develop the film at night. Um, from whatever they shot during the day and then they deliver it to the editor you know overnight so they have it to cut with the next day um that's how i kind of got my start actually avatar 2 just came out my very first job was working for james cameron uh the day avatar number one was released (laughs) i showed up for work that day as like a temp type position you know because i had just graduated and was looking for something and they were all standing around talking about this movie that had just premiered last night that they all went to go watch. And I was like, where <laughs> am I? Oh, this is the Avatar, guys. Man, I got to go watch that tonight. So I did. <laughs> so that was for the 3D um, camera rig company that I was working for. And then nice. we did 3D dailies for them. So pretty quickly, I got onto some big movies um, doing that. And then I ended up moving out to Georgia to do the same thing. Um, that was mm-hmm. for the infinity war and Endgame movies nice um so i worked on those those were shot back to back for a year and kind of stuck around there for a little bit but we never left georgia and i ended up kind of getting in with the marvel crew and since then i switched over to an assistant editor so i'm the guy who receives the dailies every morning now instead of the one making them and i kind of prep it for the editors during the day and there's a number of things that we do to get it organized and ready for them um and then since then i've been working on just a lot of disney plus stuff that they shoot all down here in in atlanta area yeah. um so low-key falcon winter soldier uh, miss marvel man there's so many now i'm trying to think what else um <laughs> i did work on the new guardians of the galaxy 3 it hasn't been out yet but i also did the christmas special that did just come out and um number of those and then on the side my side hustle is uh i want to be an editor that's how i kind of got into this business to begin with because i really love that job um so i've edited a number of low budget features that are all available to watch we can get into if you want and uh in fact why i talked to you was i just wrote directed edited my own feature with the same group that i had been editing for um which is like uh, in it's like a um, contained thriller is what we're calling it. It's like a single room <laughs> bank heist yeah. um, that we can talk about. But uh, yeah, so that's me. And um, it's kind of been a fun ride so far and get to work on some big movies and some big projects, see some, you know, household names in person. Yeah. Um, and then enough time, thankfully, that I can still work on my own stuff. That's real inspiring and, you know, different than, the marvel fair i don't know are you into the marvel universe is that one of your things 
we talk about it a lot on the show. I'm yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I enjoy. There are a number of the movies I enjoy. I get a little overwhelmed with all of it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's so How can you fun. not? And it's only getting yeah. harder because there's so much. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. It's not but, for everybody. Um, it's something I'm a super fan of, anyways, which is why I love to just probably stay in that world. <laughs> you can ask my wife; she never hears the end of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's good. That situation with like The Witcher on Netflix, where apparently they hate the original work, which seems like a oh, bad right. process. <laughs> yeah, I've never been too much into reading the comics. I did a little bit as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been real into the MCU because movies were always my jam. And once those started coming out and they're sort of tied together, but sort of not, I don't know how old you were um, when all those started, but man, it's just fun to have them sort of connected and not really have to know the comics. You know, if you just yeah. stay up only on the movies and the TV, then it's, you're good. But yeah, anyways, came out in 2008. So what, I would have been 14, I guess. Perfect age. Yeah. <laughs> we did see that I, I saw those in theater actually so yeah awesome that's but that's me yeah. so whatever you want to know man i'm an open book <laughs> i guess I, oh the first thing i'll ask is like uh, how did you actually get started like what what made you pick that uh like editing and things like that like what what got you in, invested in that um you know i was one of the kids in high school who was always making their own movies outside of school. And every time we had a project to do, I would convince my teachers, let me do a video project <laughs> for it. <laughs> and then show it in class. Um, I don't know, man. I just grew up watching a lot of that stuff and I just found it so fun to create it myself. Um, and then as I got more into, you know, the, the production of these, I realized that I really have a knack for editing and that's what I like to do. I'm sort of an introvert, so I'm better off by myself in a room anyways. And that's what that tends to be. Um, and really, if you're into video gaming, you know what it's like to have a mind where it's kind of technology based and you, you like pushing buttons and figuring out faster ways to do things. And that's a lot of what editing is, is yeah. just being as precise as you can be and as efficient as you can be. And then at the end of the day, you have something to show for it. You know, you've created this thing and now you can show it to people and it feels rewarding and maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but um, it's just, you get in the zone for it and man, hours fly by, hours fly by. <laughs> Did you have uh, video editing in school by any chance? Like in like high school or whatever? So when I was in high school, we had a pirated, I had a pirated copy of Premiere at the time was really early. <laughs> And uh, it took like seven CDs to be able to install it on your computer. And <laughs> there was no way to learn it because you know, even the internet was real early. Um, yeah. So it was just whatever I figured out on my own. And I tell you what, I lost a number of projects because I didn't know how to back stuff up onto <laughs> hard drives. <laughs> or like my parents upgraded a computer and there was no way to get it off of one onto the other. Um, yeah. So I still, you know, that's the kind of stuff that still haunts me at nighttime when I'm awake, <laughs> like, I can't believe I lost all that work. Um, so we had that. And then in college, I took Final Cut Pro classes. That's what was real popular okay. in yeah. um, the mid to late 2000s. Um, since then, I'm back on Adobe Premiere in my personal life. And then professionally, we all use Avid. So I kind of know both of those. And then I've always been real into After Effects too. So I'm I'm pretty good on, on After Effects nice. as Did far as had, software goes. 
I think it was like my, I think it was my junior year. We had a, a video editing class or video production it was. And they gave us these, do you remember like the flip cameras, the video cameras? It flip was, video camera. Oh, like the side came out. The It like flipped open and the USB stuck out. And yeah, okay. Like, they gave yeah, us, okay. I think as a class, there was like 15 of us in the class and we grouped up in like uh, groups of like five. And they're like, all right, so you're just going to film. And it was only for one semester. Like you're going to film like three videos and edit them down. And I remember we used like iMovie, I think. It was the most basic, like bare bones video right. production class I could think of. But I remember we did like uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. We reshot that, you know, just did a, a your own intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. We did that. Um, it was terrible because we had, it was, <laughs> I appreciate that our teacher just let us kind of go. She's like, mm-hmm. all right, just edit it as best you can. But there was zero instruction. So we just went into it blindly and came out of it almost just as blind. <laughs> it still is one of the best ways to learn though it's, it's, yeah. you just come up with issues that you have to figure out how to solve and when you do you know you've come that far that's kind um, of how i, I tell you what that. even before that i we had a home video camera that shot on tape mm. and the only way i could edit that was in camera so <laughs> i actually had a, a couple little things that i made where and i still have those because they were never on the computer but um I kind of worked out in my mind what the, what the edit would be ahead of time and then shot, you know, push record. Okay, I know this shot's going to be eight seconds and then stop and then go to the mm-hmm. next shot setup and do that one for 10 seconds and then stop and then go do a three second one. And then I had it timed to music already. So when <laughs> I when I pulled that off the tape using the RCA cables, I plugged the video into the TV and then the mm-hmm. audio in from a separate place like a CD player and push record and then push play on both things. And then it would sort of sync up. Uh, so that was even before digital editing, man, that's crazy. That's very home alone. When I think oh, about it's it. totally, like, it's, it's totally like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, the, the film that, that I just released takes a lot of inspiration from that and that it's a, I don't know if, did you check that out? I sent you the link. Yes. Did you see the yep. trailer or yep. anything? I did. I was, um, I was watching through it. So real quick, it involves like a, a hacker and she's got a bunch of different accents and she's kind of overseeing this bank heist happening in a remote location. And mm-hmm. we only hear everything that's happening. Um, a big element of it is that she's a hacker and can get onto you know different systems and do whatever she wants on a computer. But mm-hmm. I was so tired of seeing hackers in like the Fast and Furious movies or whatever it is. And they just have this top of the line technology and it seems like they can do anything <laughs> with code and none of it really makes sense. And yeah. My goal was to do the exact opposite. And I'm like, going to give her some computer monitors that she got from Goodwill. And she's got just a trashy <laughs> computer. And you probably didn't see, but there's like a PlayStation set up on there that maybe she hacked and a couple TV <laughs> monitors. And she just threw this all together. And it's something, <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know what time period this comes from. It doesn't look like 2022. It kind of looks like 2002, maybe, <laughs> even though they do have some smartphones. And that was the whole goal was to kind of throw yeah. it back to that era of, a little bit more physical and a little bit less digital. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you recognize that or not, but it is super interesting. Cause like you, I, I always find it interesting when you have single location films, I think that's how uh, the guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal is. He's like a right. 911 operator. Right. Um, this is a lot, <laughs> very different time period, but like 12 angry men. The old, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. The old 
Let me talk I think about they both do of those. Have like three sets in there, but let me talk about like both of those for a sec. So, The Guilty came out on Netflix after I shot my movie, but before I released it, and I was so yeah. mad that that came out because I just saw the trailer <laughs> and I thought, "Oh no, that's my movie." They just did the exact same thing as me. I think Hall- Halle Berry had one it's like that. Too. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one was called Cell, I think, or or Cell Phone. Um, similar idea, and uh, mm-hmm. I didn't watch. I didn't watch The Guilty for a long time because I was kind of mad and I also was editing and I didn't want to like steal from them. The Call was the name. There we go. Um, Interesting. And then I eventually did watch it and I do see a lot of similarities there. And there's a couple Mm -hmm. camera angles that I think I missed, which I probably would have done differently had I seen theirs, but probably better that I didn't. Um, And then for 12 Angry Men, I don't know if you know this about that movie, but um, that movie starts out in all wide angle lenses and wide shots mm-hmm. and then by the end they slowly 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 get into longer camera lenses and mm-hmm. closer shots and it just builds in intensity the whole time um and that's exactly what i told my dp i wanted to do like 12 angry men and that's what mm-hmm. we did so it's nice. it starts out a lot slower and we're on dollies and wider mm-hmm. angles and i don't know if you could tell but we're farther away from the lead actress and it's panning around the room a lot yeah exactly and you kind of you kind of take in the room and you can see all the set and everything and Mm -hmm. i even had this in the script so like we'd broken it up into sections so by this section we're going to be on these lenses and by this section we're going to be on these lenses by this section we're going to be handheld and by this section we're going to be on these lenses so by the end hopefully you don't even notice it happening but if you look at the beginning and the end you see we're like right in her face and it's shaky and intense and everything, you know, the set kind of seems to fade away and mm-hmm. it's less important where she is now. What's more important is what she's going through emotionally and what her team is going through in the bank and what we're listening to. Um, so I took a lot of inspiration from 12 angry men on that. Actually. I'm glad you brought I'm that glad up. I brought it up there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't remember the, like visually, like how the, the movie works in 12. Yeah. I've seen that yeah. Since. It's probably been like high school years. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen that movie twice. I saw it in high school and then I saw it like on my own separately for some reason. That's like, a, like right. when I was in middle school or something. It holds up really well, despite mm-hmm. it being black and white, despite it being, you know, all white men. And that, you know, plays into the plot even. It's kind of like they knew that that was the story. Mm-hmm. But um, it holds up really well today, content wise and cinematography wise, I think, as long as you can get past, you know, it being black and white. That's the really the only thing that sets it apart. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No. The, uh, there's that, and I, like you said, you have like the the older technology. I think you have like a PlayStation Three sitting on the the desk that you have hooked up. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just tried to throw whatever I could find that she might yeah. find at like a Goodwill or a secondhand <laughs> store. You know. So I, I, I guess I was just like, how do you go about like getting all of it started? Like you know, you 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 want to make a film, like maybe you have it written already or something. How do you go about going from, all right, this is my idea to actually putting it into effect, like yeah. actually making the film? And in some ways it was harder than I thought and in some ways easier. Um, hmm. I had pitched this to my production company who's out in California that I had been editing for. Um, like in 2019, even earlier, I had the script ready for them. And they were like, yeah, let's do this. And so we started a casting process over in LA and we were going to shoot it in LA because they have a lot more resources than I do out here. Um, And then COVID hit and everything got to a standstill. And the longer I went, 
the more I thought, man, if there was ever a COVID movie, it's this one because it's, you know, almost one person yes. on a single set <laughs> and we could do it with a tidy crew. And what is stopping me from doing this right now? Um, so my wife actually kind of pushed me into what if we just shot it here in Georgia? And I thought, well, I guess that's possible. I don't really know a DP, a director of photography out here. And I don't really know sound guys out here. You know, that's what they all had. So I'm going to have to start from mm -hmm. scratch on all that. But that's what we did after we cast um, Coco, who's our lead actress. Um, I just started going on Facebook groups and Reddit groups and looking for local people out here who were maybe up and comers. You know, I wanted to pay everybody, but it wasn't going to be top dollar. Yeah. So I was looking for people who were bored or who just needed something. We were only going to shoot for two weeks. Um, so it might fit into schedules and one at a time, man, I just found sound guy. I found a director of photography I clicked with. Um, I did a casting session all online out here and found people that way. Mm -hmm. Um, we hired a, a realtor in my hometown and she started taking <laughs> us to abandoned locations. <laughs> Must be Did an we... interesting point of view from like the realtor's perspective. She like, thought it was I cool. She never, she never worked out a movie before. And I was like, here's what we're trying to do. And uh, yeah. you did like know any places that kind of fit this that are being sold. And she took us to five or six and we saw the, the place we ended up shooting at walked in and thought, man, this is amazing. You pay a lot of money just to build a set like this and they're going to let us use it for almost nothing. And so we were so <laughs> grateful to, for, for them just letting us in yeah. there for three weeks and doing kind of whatever we wanted. And uh, the set I'm in love with, it looks looks great. And <laughs> we just pick, then we just pick some days and like tell everyone we're shooting these two weeks, block it out and we schedule travel. And it's weird, like slowly, it's kind of like a snowball where you've got yeah. something small and you add a little more and add a little more. And every step of the way, you're kind of like taking a step further onto the tightrope. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then soon it's impossible to stop from happening unless you, you know, you're on the hook for all the deposits you put down and stuff. So you just <laughs> power through and make it happen. And um, it just turned out real well. And I was so happy with you know, what we ended up getting on set, but also everyone that I met and I thought we had a great crew and turned out to be real fun every day. And, you know, not too difficult. I had booked everyone for 10 hour days and we always ended earlier than that. And we struggled with weather a little bit because we shot in the spring and weather in Georgia is kind of wild. So you can have thunderstorms, <laughs> you know, at the drop of a hat. So yeah. there were days like that that were giving me <laughs> ulcers, <laughs> but, you know, we got through it all right. And, so, and like I said, in some ways it was easier because you just take it one step at a time and in some ways harder because it's so difficult to finally commit and say, we're doing this come hell or high water, you know, we're going to make it happen no matter what. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like for me, like I obviously have no experience with anything of this scale, but like anytime I work on anything to me, it's, it's always uh, the getting started part is the hardest. And then once it started, it's basically just a giant checklist of things I need to make sure get done. Right. And that's, that's where, like, even with my personal work, like that's the easiest part to me because it's like, I am, I'm so singularly focused on getting every single thing done where it's like, I, it just helps me so much more having like a, you know, this is what we need to do. Like I'll, I'll make up like examples here, but like if I'm working on a film, hypothetically, I would, my thought process would be like, all right, these are the shots we need. I have a checklist of like shots we need to get done. This is what we need edited. I can edit this like that. That's how my mind works is, is almost like checklist 
and uh yeah it's interesting like watching like hearing your, your that's exactly what it was too i literally had a list of like here's the f- 75 things that need to get done before day one <laughs> and each day i said okay i'm taking care of these five today no yeah. but you know even on a huge movies that i work on it's the exact same it's just more people doing more things you know mm-hmm. everyone still has a list of the things that they need to do and it all fits into the overall schedule and the initial decision to make this movie or make this tv pilot or green light a season i mean that's why you hear what that something's been greenlit in the news because that is a big mm-hmm. decision <laughs> that's the yeah. point where someone decided okay we have enough in play here we think we have a product that will sell and we have the financing so let's do it the green light has been turned on (laughs) and then everyone starts to get to work and even though it's you know hundreds or thousands of people it's it's kind of the exact same thing i was gonna ask too like this is like your your creation right you're working on it is there ever a hesitancy to like hand off the work to other people like part portions of it or whatever where you're like oh man this is exactly how when it's done maybe or yeah, totally. Um, and in fact, that's the whole theme of the movie itself. And I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never robbed a bank before. I just like bank uh, robber That's movies. probably good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but people always say, write what you know. And I think in a way, I still wrote exactly me, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a filmmaking movie or yeah. even the protagonist is female and not me. But <laughs> her whole thing was that she doesn't trust anyone. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to hand off anything. She wants to be in total control. And that's why she's kind of set up this scenario for herself. Um, So yeah, totally. I go through that Um, probably too much. And especially for this one, because it was the first time I took on way more than I should have, partly for budget reasons, but partly because exactly what you're saying is I wanted it to be done my way. And I think I learned enough now on what to look for in someone when I hand off that trust to them. that I think I could be a little more open to that at this point. And if we do another one, I think that would be, you know, one of my goals, Hmm. but that's definitely something I need to work on personally. (laughs) Give it more trust. It's probably a thing where as you get more experience with it, it it becomes easier to be like, all right, I I can put my trust in these and like these people or this person. I know they're going to get this done in a way that works best. Yeah. Part of it is the relationship that you have with people and the history you have with them, knowing that they can achieve what you're asking them to. Part of it is budget because if you have the money, you can find those people. And if you don't have the money, you are risking a lot more on who you're hiring. And again, I just felt like I got so lucky with my director of photography, Dakota, because every day he showed up and I was like, Hey, I want to do it like this. And he never said no. He never said we can't do that. He would just figure out a way to do it. Same with our sound guy, Jeremy. Um, same with Coco, our actress. And that's that's what I wasn't expecting. You know, I was I was more expecting people to say, "Oh, that's going to be too hard to do it that way." But if you can find the people who really are committed to making it happen and problem solving, then it is a lot easier to, like I said, trust them and let them do their job. Yeah, I was going to say too, like they. Uh... I know sometimes I'll see interviews with people, with actors where they're, they're saying, and I think a lot of this is with uh, uh, characters that are like, I'll use Game of Thrones, for example. Like we're, we're rewatching Game of Thrones right now, my girlfriend and I, and I've seen interviews with the actors and, act- and uh, where they're saying like, oh, you know, we're on set and, you know, we, we've tweaked things where the character's supposed to say this. And, you know, after reading the book or whatever, 
I feel like that wouldn't be what the character would say. They'd say something like this. Do you like, what's it like working with the, with the actors and their feedback as far as like how the characters speak or, or how they interact with the, the plot? Things like yeah. That? I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on the characters that I'd written. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the side characters are pretty small, so there's not a lot, <laughs> honestly, that's yeah. a fault of my own to go off of for them. Um, other than what was written. But as far as Coco goes, um, our main character, Maddie, had a lot of depth to her, I think. She's kind of angry and also playful at times. And I don't know, there's just a lot going into that character. And Coco brought so much to it. In fact, I had originally written in that she does these accents. And you'll find out why uh, as you watch the movie. But Mm -hmm. part of the casting was looking for someone who could do that. And everyone who read the script thought this is great, but you're never gonna find, you're never gonna find this person. <laughs> uh, and as luck would have it, we did find her, and she could do a bunch of accents. And in fact, when she got out here, she was like, "Hey, could I change this one to this accent? Because I could do more than this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, thank you. We'll do as many as you want. Like you tell me what is a what is available to you." And mm. it was a lot of stuff like that with her. Actually, she would look for places where she wanted to change the dialogue a little bit or make it feel a little bit more um, improvised. And yeah. she always stuck to the meaning of a line of dialogue, but she would, you know, if she was angry, she would let herself be angry and change it a little bit that way. Um, and she ended up bringing to me more than I ever envisioned for the character in, um, for example, she started to come up with different character depending on what accent she was doing. Like she was a different person for that part. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I had never really thought about that before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it plays when you watch the movie, you start to get a sense of who she's talking to and what accent as a different character, you know, mm-hmm. than she was. Um, another thing that she brought as an example, there's one of the person, one of the people she's talking to on her phones is the driver. He's this Australian guy. Yeah. Um, and she told me after we shot the whole thing, she was like, yeah, I kept playing every time I talked to him, I played it like he had worked on a job with me before, but he didn't know it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like she had done this ruse with him, but she was playing a different character for him that time. So he doesn't even know that this is the second time they've worked together. And I thought, man, that is so crazy to think about something like that. It's such a good idea. I'm upset at myself for not having thought about that first. And um, that's the kind of stuff that she would bring. So I was pretty open with my actors on, hey, if you don't like a line or it's not working for you, let's just talk about it and we'll drop something if we need to or we'll change something if we need to, you know, within reason. Um, the only rule I basically gave them was I wanted the language to still be a PG-13, you know, level okay. movie. Yeah. Um, so a couple times I had to rein them back and they were fine with that. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I was like, just take what I'm trying to tell and make it your own, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was the goal. And I think it worked pretty well for most of <laughs> most everyone. Yeah. It's awesome. Like I say, it, it is interesting, like seeing the dynamic between the person who has created the, the story and then the people who are there to you know, put it on display for everyone to see. It's it's cool to see the the dynamic there and how they make it their own while keeping it, you know, in line with the original right idea of it. Um, 
I was going to ask too, as, as far as editing goes, uh, it's, it seems, you know, that obviously, you know, writing it, you have the whole thing thought out. You have this vision for what you want it to be directing it sort of the same thing. You know, this is how I want it to look. This is how, you know, I want the mood to be in this scene based on the lighting and the, the way we're filming it. It seems like an editor also has like a huge input as far as how the film feels and looks based on how you cut it and use the different takes and things like that. Yeah, how, what definitely. Is the process like as far as that goes? Um, well, it's two different answers because usually the editor is not the director. Uh, yeah. And that's for good reason. Um, <laughs> it's very hard to separate yourself from the story you want to tell with the story that you actually shot. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have an editor come in on a big movie or sometimes even multiple editors will be there because it's so hard to keep looking at it. Like it's the first time and you're not missing things that might be confusing or you're not missing things that are boring, you know, cause the director yeah. might be so in love with something. And the truth is this is not good for this <laughs> five minute stretch. <laughs> Nothing's happening. So we might have yeah. to lose it. Um, I wanted to have an editor on this just to avoid that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Ultimately I ended up doing it myself just because of scheduling and um, you know, not wanting to pay somebody for that part, which I felt mm -hmm. like I honestly could do. So I'm happy with how it turned out. I think it probably could have, you know, gone to an, a, maybe a little better with another set of eyes, but um, it's tough, man. I also, what was your question to begin with? What was it like? I was say like how the editor puts their own sort of yeah. uh, feel into the, the film. <laughs> right. So um, it's definitely an artistic position, like the director, like director of photography and the editing is such a different animal because it's more about the pacing and okay. yeah, yeah, build, building moments in the edit, meaning like how does the music work right here with the shot that's coming up next? And mm -hmm how long does it take to reveal something or what order are the scenes in and does changing this order confuse, you know, the story or I know a lot of people complain about was their hand in the right spot from this shot to, to the next shot. You know what I mean? The editor's yeah. thinking about that too, even though it's less important, but it's just trying to keep think of so many things all at once and make it flow into a way where it doesn't feel like, time is passing. You know what I mean? You've seen yeah. 90 minute movies that feel endless. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's not edited. Well. It's it's not flowing. It's not smooth. It doesn't take you away. And you've also seen three hour movies that feel like they go by in a second because mm -hmm. all those things are working. And that's thanks to a good director. And I mean, it's thanks to a lot of people. You want to have good acting. You want to have beautiful images to look at. You want to have good music. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's thanks to the editor, though, because they're the ones who find a pace and find a momentum that really grabs you and doesn't let you go, mm -hmm. doesn't let you get bored, and doesn't take you too quickly. It's it's tough. It's tough to find. And that's why, you know, those guys make the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's an Academy Award position, you know, yeah. for a reason. <laughs> It is interesting. Like, I'm, again, I, I've only worked with like my own content for the most part. And it, it is interesting because it's like, all right, this is what I want to, I want to do. But at the same time, it's like, I know I need to edit this down to be as efficient as possible. 
Oh, it's God. tough, especially when you shoot it yourself, because you, you know how much work you put into You're still making biased it. As well, yeah. I feel like you can be. It's like oh, I don't you know what that. I did a good job. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. And you know what you wanted it to be, and it's hard to let go of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just so much at play when you're doing it yourself, and yeah, it's it's difficult. I was gonna say too, like working with like you, you've mentioned, like having a, a couple different editors on the same project potentially. How, what is the process like making it consistent throughout the whole film? Like, I don't know how it works with multiple editors on the same film where you work. I like, how, how does that process work? I guess. Yeah. It, it's, there's so many different ways. I know some editor teams that will split up scenes. Like one editor likes to do the action stuff and the other editor likes to do the more dialogue stuff. Or sometimes mm-hmm. one editor likes to do the first reel of a movie, like the first third of it. And then, okay the editor another editor likes the middle section and then maybe they'll tag team the ending bits um Mm -hmm. on a tv show they'll split up episodes so like you get one editor for this episode it's that simple um sometimes if a movie's in trouble you'll fire an editor and then bring in another one and they'll just start over from scratch or Mm -hmm. take what you have and adjust it to what their liking is and then maybe that happens a few times i'm not going to name movies by name but <laughs> sometimes when you see five editors on a job <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what happened because the union rules show that they did a per- certain percentage of the work so they're still going to get a credit for it isn't but it where it's there's... edited where it's like uh if they write out and and they're just ampersand isn't that like a differentiating factor in like the crediting on the film yeah i'm not sure how all the contracts work but there's definitely movies out there which go through three four five editors <laughs> and Maybe it turns out to something good. Maybe it doesn't. You really need a director behind that editor to drive the overall tone and pace. And a bad movie can be saved by a good editor. A bad movie can be saved by a good director. But And, you know, obviously, both of them working well together can make something mm-hmm. great. But a lot of times when you see something bad, it's because one of those people wasn't carrying their own weight or both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I can, it could be interesting too, like in the case of like multiple editors, how it's like you have to make it sort of seamless in the final product, like especially with a film. Like I understand with the different, with the TV shows, like the different episodes, it doesn't have to be as consistent. Like, I mean, each episode might intentionally have like a different feel to it. Um, but like with a film, like I can see it'd be, it'd be interesting if like, uh, if you know going into it, if you can tell who worked on which which part, pieces you can yeah see. yeah yeah if it feels disjointed to you there's a good there's a good uh bet that <laughs> that's kind of what yeah. happened and it's funny if you read real close on these big tentpole movies you'll hear about stuff that completely got cut out like this actress or this actor was in this movie and they're only in here for one line well yeah that's because they had a bigger part but it ended up getting yeah. removed and what happened with uh Ana de Armas recently i think i forget what the film was where they even put her in like the trailer for the film and she's not even in the, she just uh, wasn't in it. What was that? Yeah, yeah you're right, uh, man. I'm just look that one up again. Yeah. I can't remember. Cause it, I think there was like a, uh, what is this yesterday? I think is what the film was called. Oh, that's right. That was a couple years ago. She was uh, in the trailer for it. So and that's everything. a Danny, that's a Danny Boyle movie. Film. Right. And then there was a, that was the legal case, right? Is someone sued because yeah. they felt like the trailer misrepresented the movie and they won. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think crazy. it's because the judge ruled that yes, it's like uh, you know, it's 
you know, freedom of speech sort of thing where, you know, you're, you're putting your idea out there for the film, but the trailer is literally is marketing for the film. And that's like setting an expectation of what's supposed to be in the film at least. Right. So don't be surprised if on trailers, you start seeing little text at the bottom saying might not represent the full, the final product or something like that. Yeah. It's sort of (laughs) like uh, when you see like video game trailers, it says like, uh, you know, actual footage may vary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. It is interesting. I was gonna ask too, like, uh, what's your experience been like working on like bigger projects and film? Like you, you mentioned Marvel, like seeing these be these big, huge productions and like so many people watching them. Like, what's the your experience going into that as opposed to like a smaller project? Yeah, I can answer. I mean, I yeah. could talk to you all day about that. What do you, can you be more specific? What do you want? I, to hear I was about? gonna say, is there a different feel going into it for you? Like, oh, this is a lot bigger scale. You know, there's a lot more people invested in this. Like, um, you know, is there a different energy like going into it as far as like, okay, I need to approach this differently? As far as really? like a really big movie or like a tiny sure. micro budget feature, is that what you're asking? Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, it's different in some ways. I know I'm getting paid really well to be on this. <laughs> when I sign up for something, I'm like, yeah, I got another five months. Solid. I don't have to worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's great. It is really fun to be working with people who are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you go over to costumes or you go over to the sets, it just is amazing because those people are pros in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um and it's the same with the actors. It's the same with the writers. You can read a script and tell right away, this person knows what they're doing. And when you're working on actors footage all day, it's clear that they have the it factor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to a, a smaller project. Sometimes it's like, eh, not sure why this isn't working, but a lot of it is just, um, you can tell a difference between the charisma someone brings on and off camera, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, that being said, it's a lot more rigid. There's a lot less freedom. There's more money writing on all this stuff. So I'm telling you, they think about every joke, every frame, everything that gets revealed <laughs> in a trailer, every line of dialogue, every visual effect shot gets just picked apart and raked over, over and over and over again until they have a final product. And if you hear a complaint that everything's all the same, um, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the reason why is because they're trying to cater to such a wide audience. They don't want to offend yeah. anyone, but they want it to be exciting, but they want it to play across multiple cultures and multiple languages. So you can't, you know, have jokes so witty that they can't translate into <laughs> Chinese. Yeah. Um, you want to be in places that aren't going to offend anyone. You want the bad guys to be someone who's not going to offend anyone i mean top gun got away with that this year right you don't you don't even know who the bad guy was it's just some button <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they did it uh so it's very difficult to tell an exciting fresh story when you have all those rules that you need to follow um that's what's fun and different about a smaller indie movie or even a micro budget like like ours because no one was looking over our shoulders saying you can't do that you can't do that you mm-hmm. can't end a movie that way you can't have a line of dialogue like this. The only reason you can't do it is because it doesn't work, you know, like it's not funny or it's not exciting, but it's fun to go to set and say, Hey, let's try this. And there's no reason not to. And anyone who works on big sets and small sets will tell you that's the case. You know, it's more fun to be more creative, to be doing something where there are no rules. Mm -hmm. 
But the trade-off is the quality of the content might not be where you wish it could be because you're taking a bigger risk. Okay. Yeah. Would you say it's like calmer working on like an independent film? Because like you said, like they're a lot more in-depth as far as like what can and cannot be shown and things like that. Um, like no, film. I wouldn't say calmer or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on a big movie, it feels really calm when you're on set because everyone has cool walkie-talkies and headsets and they're whispering. Yeah. And you don't hear a lot of like shouting or screaming because, you know, everyone can talk quietly. It's weird. If you're on set with no headset, you're like, what's happening here? It feels like I'm in a library. <laughs> And the only person talking is the director and the actor. And, you know, that's the way they want it because that's how mm. they're going to work. Uh, we don't need to hear a lot of shouting and stuff. You don't have that. But <laughs> that being said, there's a lot of big egos and there's a lot of stuff happening you're not seeing, um, which mm. is causing a lot of stress. You know, everyone's job's on the line all the time. Okay. Um, so it may have the, the feeling of calmness, even though it's a facade. <laughs> <laughs> And then I've been on small movies where it's just a fire all the time because you don't have enough people, you don't have enough help, you don't have enough money. Mm, that makes sense. We had an, an actor show up uh, one day and he had forgotten to shave that day and I didn't have a razor on set. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so now you're like trying to figure out how, do, how can I get a razor here in the next 15 minutes because we need yeah. to keep going. That kind of stuff. And, you know, just trying to get food to everybody can be such a hassle and... No one's on radio, so you're shouting across the room, and it doesn't feel calm. Um, and you know, a lot of times you're going to get people on your crew that are less experienced. So it is what it is, man. Everyone's doing the best they can, but hopefully, we come up with something good. I felt like my set was pretty calm. I tried to have as much planned ahead of time as I could, so I wasn't running around stressed out, and I was, you know, on top of it enough that I could stop and take a lunch break with the crew and. Mm -hmm shoot it with everybody that's cool and um i think i haven't been on a ton of micro budget sets um, but that was some feedback that i got was this was different than a lot that we've been on <laughs> because usually it's about that under control <laughs> um of course we had the we were cheating a little bit and that it was a small cast in one location so we weren't doing a lot of traveling or anything like that yeah. but anyways does that answer your question say, you mentioned like ever uh you know, everyone's job is on the line all the time sort of deal. I remember the right, I forget what it was during COVID. They were, I think they were filming like one of the uh, Mission Impossible movies, right? And that audio came out of Tom Cruise right. uh, yelling at them for, I think it was ma not masking up, I think, or something. Right. Yeah, and, I hear <clears throat> people bring up still that it's amazing how rigid they are about COVID rules on set still, even though, you know, we've all kind of passed that. And I'm telling mm -hmm. you, man, it's a money issue. It's all about money. You think about if, if an actor catches COVID or the director, mm -hmm. you have to shut production down for 10 days. Yeah. That's it. I mean, there's no way around that. Mm -hmm. And if you're spending a million dollars a day, you just lost, it could be five to 10% of your budget, mm -hmm. you know, that you're going to spend because you are paying all those people, even though they're not working. And when you're on set, you got to make your day and you need to get a lot of things done and there's a lot of people working and nobody's sleeping <laughs> and then it turns out you might be breaking a rule that um is very easy to follow but could have big consequences mm -hmm. i get why someone's upset about it i don't know if you need to shout in anyone's face like that but. yeah I don't, again it, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it so i, I from an outside perspective my thought process was just like 
Okay. He's taking it seriously. He wants to make sure they're not losing a bunch of money on it. Right. Wants to make sure that, you know, people aren't going to, even like, even if it's not the actual cast, I mean, you know, you have camera operators get sick or something, just, it's a whole problem. For yeah. Everybody. I mean, it's one thing if a camera operator gets sick, that can be, you know, replaced for a few days and mm-hmm. keep going. But when they've it's been around fun. everyone else, who else yeah. did they get sick? Because <laughs> they're standing there with the actor, you know, they're yeah. in very close contact. So it's all about just trying to prevent it from happening beforehand because we all want to keep working. That's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a, a different direction too. I was going to ask like what the casting process was like for you. Uh, okay. For us, I, for I, our movie. Yeah. I know you mentioned like going on like Reddit and like online, just like reaching out to people and things like that. Yeah. As far as but, casting goes, we did a, we did a casting call in LA before, like I said, we were going to shoot out there um, mm-hmm. and found Coco and I hadn't talked to her when, when COVID did shut everything down. I just had her in mind, like, man, I really liked this audition and Whenever this happens, I'd like to get in contact with her. I'm not going to do it yet because I have nothing to promise at this point. (laughs) But (laughs) as soon as we were looking at schedules again, I got in contact with her and we had a phone conversation uh, once or twice. And I said, hey, look, I want to send you the whole script. Read it over. See if you're up for this. Um, There was something that was important to me that everyone who was coming on set knew what they were getting into. You know, this isn't a big budget movie. Yes, we will feed you. Yes, we're going to have some pay, but it's going to be kind of down and dirty. You know what I mean? We're going to be in an yeah. abandoned location and there's going to be two toilets to share and we're going to be doing this all of ourselves. And I want to make sure you're okay with doing something like that. We're going to be shooting a lot of pages a day, especially on in her case. So she's going to have a lot to memorize. Um, and she was more than happy to do it, more than capable. So I just kick myself all the time for being so happy we found her someone who was so willing to do you know that much and there were days we did 20 pages in a day which is crazy usually you're shooting three to five and on my set we were doing nine to ten until the one day we had to do that many um and i think that was our best stuff actually that was towards the second half of the movie um as far as the other cast goes they're all from georgia so i just used a um website i forget what forget which casting website it is now there's a couple of them out there um you just put up a casting call for age range gender um skin tone if that matters didn't to me uh you know because everyone was voice actors um it was more important to me that i was looking for people who had unique voices so that you would be able to tell you know not like moral voices but actually sound different (laughs) yeah because you're only going to hear them so i want you to hear someone's voice right away and know oh yeah that was that guy Mm -hmm. um so i was going for different ages different ranges um of races and genders and i did you know i kind of just went through everyone who responded to that i had them send in self-tapes and i picked some based off their voices and then same thing i would call each of them and say hey i'd like to offer you this part um, it's basically one day of work because we did all the voice recordings over Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. And that's it, man. Are you interested in being something like this? <laughs> everyone said, yeah, sure. So the casting actually went a lot better than I thought. That was one of the one of the spots I was more concerned about because I had never done that before. Yeah. Um, again, I just got lucky with people who are real talented. So <laughs> it seems interesting, like, like you said, with they're only having to record voice lines. It seems like something that you'd have people that might be a like audiobook 
sort of readers and uh, narrators and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to kind of go for people who weren't voice actors because Mm -hmm. I wanted them to bring to the table what they would usually do in an acting part instead of like a cartoon part, Mm -hmm. which those people are so talented, obviously. There's something (laughs) different about it, though, you know, where you're looking for perfection. And I didn't really want that perfection. I wanted it to be kind of gritty and, Mm -hmm. you know, a little feeling like it was improvised. Um, so that's kind of why I went that direction. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, cause it is, you, you mentioned like professional voice actor, like it is interesting. Like when you hear all these, like, like a cart, like the Simpsons or something, it, they are so consistent with like the way the voice sounds. Yes. Over time. Totally. Whereas, Especially like, if you're listening to a lot of audiobooks. like those guys have voices for this. You hear it and you're mm-hmm. like, man, that is, that's amazing voice. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so like specific in its nature, the way they make each like character sound then that I, I can see how that could be like, not necessarily off putting, but like with a film, at least it's like this character is doing something. Their voice is going to be fluctuating depending on the scenario they're in, things like that. Right. Interesting. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even consider that when you were uh, uh, cast in a room. That's neat. Yeah, it's a feat. that's a little bit of the process I hadn't considered. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know. What, what do you have like a favorite part of the process, like of, of making the film, that you were like, this is this is my the most exciting part of this, or this is the part I enjoyed most? Um. Yeah. I mean, I love it all. I loved <laughs> writing it. I loved editing it. Doing sound design for it. Mm-hmm. Visual effects not so fun because I had a lot of those computer no. screens to do, and <laughs> that was trying. But um, I tell you what, the funnest part was just going on set as the director and being able to call all the shots because I had the answers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's something that not a lot of people get to do. Hopefully, I get to do that again at some point in the future. If not, hey, I'd had my shot. But um, <laughs> it was fun to show up and say, this is the way I want it. Make it happen. And people would scramble <laughs> and go make your vision a reality. Uh, it, it does come with more stress. I tell you, every day on my way to work, I was like, blasting Eminem in the truck trying to get me <laughs> hyped up like I could do this I'm the man I got the answers <laughs> yeah. so that was, probably like my, a, that was probably my favorite part but I was gonna say is there a sense of relief once it's all come together you have the full final package um, at like, what point you mean when you're done shooting or when you're done you're done editing the final it deliverable? You, you've got the actual the final cut of it all put together um, it, you know what? Relief or is no, like, the answer is no you know? for all those cases, actually, because <laughs> yeah. it always feels like more. Um, I would love to be able to say it's done and mm-hmm. hand it off to a marketing team, but we're also doing that part ourselves. So I was going to say, like, you have to market it's, it. And feels it nonstop. Nothing. Yeah. Even though it's out, I still feel like I have a year's worth of work of, you know, doing this kind of thing, talking with you. But mm-hmm. we're, I'm on Reddit doing ads and talking to people about it. And I'm on, um, Facebook doing ads um, and talking to people about it. And we're trying to get um, Amazon or IMDb reviews and we're trying to get it on more places. And, um, you know, we're on Instagram, TikTok, trying to do like behind the scenes videos for YouTube. It just is ongoing. And it is so clear why you have a team to do this uh, (laughs) because it's kind of boring and (laughs) you don't really even know how successful it's going to be. We're hopeful, but. Um, 
it's been a learning process to get through that stuff. So no, it never really felt like it's over because it's still going. <laughs> I don't know if it will ever feel that way because yeah. at best it kind of just dwindles until it has a life of its own, I guess. And we see what it does, you know, for 10 or 15 years, but mm-hmm. I wish, I wish that there was a, a relief moment, you know, maybe it's like <laughs> that for bigger directors who do their last day on a job and then go on to another one. But I, I, I have had, oh, I, I have had that experience um, on projects that I've worked on, you know, as an assistant editor or something, cause we'll go to mm-hmm. the premiere or they'll do like cast and crew screenings. And when it finally yeah. comes out that that's fun. Um, I start getting text messages, emails from friends like, Hey, I saw you in the credits of this one. And I'm like, how did you <laughs> see my name in the 4,000 credits? That's crazy. <laughs> Um, but do they outsource credits? I've heard like they have and haven't before. Um, like actually making them. Yeah. The actual production of the credits. Uh, I don't know. That's probably the easiest part of the whole movie. So I don't know (laughs) why they would do that, but maybe, I mean, all the, all the VFX are outsourced to different countries and stuff. Mm. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, especially in the Marvel stuff, we keep, so many secrets for so long, you know, yeah. we shot, we shot Endgame before infinity war even came out. So I knew how that all ended before yeah. anyone even knew <laughs> what was, what was going on. So there is like a relief when that finally comes out that you could share that with people for the first time. Like, Oh, I don't have to keep this secret anymore. <laughs> um, so that's kind of fun, but yes, yeah, so I guess different, depending on the scale. Last question I had was like, what is the experience like for you seeing something you've worked on like on a big screen like that? Oh man, it's so fun. You know, there's a lot of jobs out there and everyone can do what makes them happy. And I think that's great, but man, it's so rewarding to work on something that everyone who I've ever met can go see and participate in, you know, at some point, whether I went to high school with them or went to college with them or I met that, you know, they were my next door neighbor back in California or my family or my family's friends, you know, yeah. they're all, cause everyone talks about, Hey, I know someone who worked on this. And, um, I love when people get in touch with me and say, Hey, I saw your thing, whatever it was. I thought it was great. Or even if it wasn't great, that's fine. <laughs> at least like I, like I got to be a part of something that really reached the whole world and there's mm-hmm. nothing in between me and them at that point, you know, like they can go on Amazon or wherever it's, wherever it's at Disney plus, you know, and see it. Like there's no, there's no way to stop them from doing that. Like it's available every, literally everywhere. (laughs) And, um, it's not small stuff either. It's like the stuff that has the public's conversation for a while. So it's always fun to be, you know, part of that. And also, you know, I got jackets and t-shirts and hats from all these things that, my wife begs me to get rid of like, you have too many of these. Yeah, but come on, look at it. <laughs> I When you, when you like watch a movie, are you able to like fully sit back and just enjoy it? Or like, it, like, let's say uh, I'll, I'll use Endgame or something. Like that, but like, are you, when you're watching, are you like, Oh, this is the part where we cut this or this is the part where we change it. Like, or, yeah, or it's, it's it? different. You're, you're asking like a movie that I worked on. Right. Yeah. If I can sit back and enjoy it. Um, yeah, I definitely can sit back and enjoy it. It's a different experience though. Okay. I tell people it's a lot like reading the book and then watching the movie. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I saw so much stuff that I'm sad didn't make it in. <laughs> yeah. 
and people watch the movie after they read the book. And they're like, they messed this up. They totally forgot that part or they messed this part up or they changed this character. Yeah, yeah. that happens for me. Um, <laughs> and I can certainly go back and say, yeah, I remember that day. I remember getting through that scene. That was a rough one to work through because it was so long. Um, mm -hmm. The end of Infinity War is on that planet, you know, when they're fighting Thanos. Yeah. And we shot that for two months. Oof. That same set. And it just felt <laughs> endless <laughs> and still you know you get back to that and you're like man i remember spending so many hours looking at this stuff um <laughs> that being said when it finally comes out it's fun to see it all together because i never get to at least not yet i haven't watched it all done um i'm usually off the job as soon as they're done shooting it mm. and then i move on to the next one and then the rest of the editorial team you know takes it from there yeah. um so I don't get to see it with all the music and visual effects done and, you know, the best takes in there and, you know, just the fun of it. So it is fun to finally sit back and watch it that way. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it's just fun to have that as your memory. Like that movie's a little different because even though it might not be that good, I have good memories from it. <laughs> and if it is good, then all the better. You know, when those two movies came out, it was amazing because everyone loves those yeah um and it's fun to be a part of that and claim that you know you were there at that time <laughs> i have some that are not that's not the case for but <laughs> um, awesome man. awesome that that's awesome man. i really appreciate you coming on and really going into like the nitty-gritty of all this stuff it's yeah thank you for having me definitely a, a, a very bit. different like take from things as opposed to just me sitting in my living room or in the theater watching a movie and then hearing about you know how it's actually made and put together and everything like that yeah and hopefully i can bring a little different perspective too because i've been on the smallest and the biggest <laughs> awesome yeah anyway is there any the where can people go to check out your work oh yeah man i don't even know if i said the title you need to check this movie out called solid rock trust Indeed. and you can see it on amazon it's a rental on google movies it's a rental youtube movies it's a rental it's free on tubi um, with ads so you can watch it there um, it's going to be on more places you know soon in the next few months but um we've got facebook we've got instagram um we've got a tiktok i don't know if there's a lot of stuff on the tiktok yet but um obviously leave us a review on imdb or rotten tomatoes if you happen to watch it i would love that <laughs> um, but again solid rock trust and then you can man if you find us on Facebook or something, send me a message and let me know and I'll uh, chat with you about it, anybody. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again yeah. for having us on and uh, talking about that. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It was really and informative and I really If you have it. more questions, you come back to me because I'll come on anytime you want. Sound, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Really good time. And uh, thank you so much to everyone for, for listening. Check out deadjesterproductions.live. It's got links to all of our stuff on there. It's been episode number 160. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye-bye.